Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And we are both wearing our Reformed Dissenters t-shirts, although he has the standard t-shirt, which is still awesome. Um, and I'm wearing the, you can't really see it behind my microphone on my tablet, <laughs> but it is the special edition t-shirt. So, hey, if you'd like to get a better look at either one of these, really, uh, you can go to trdshow.net, which is our show website, and check out our merch store. We have both of these t-shirts available for pretty reasonable price, I would say, in this uh, let's go Brandon economy, as as <laughs> Steve Days would say. Um and, uh, you know, check them out. We'd really appreciate it. It helps the show to grow if you buy our merch. So, you know, we've got stickers. We've got mugs. We've got T-shirts. We've got hoodies, even. Jake, I think you even have one of our hoodies, don't you? Look at that. Drinking out of the mug. Uh, out of the mug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mug. Another, another, another piece of our merch. Right. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think I do. Somewhere. I think I Somewhere do you've got a hoodie. So I just haven't been wearing it. Because, right. You know, it has not been winter months. That is for sure. <laughs> so um, I am in the wonderful state of South Dakota and Jacob is in the not so wonderful state of Pennsylvania for now. Unfortunately, he is there for now. He's stuck behind bars in Pennsylvania. Dun, dun, dun. Behind the Iron Curtain. Um, so today is a topic discussion. It is our discussion topic. I got those words backwards. It still works, technically, but it's just not how it's written in my script, so I have to say it the way it's written. Um, It's Discussion Topic Friday, and today we're discussing the Ten Commandments in Real Life, Commandment Number Four. If you missed the previous three, we got a whole series going on here, so definitely check those other ones out if you missed them, but uh, this is Commandment Number Four today that we're going to be discussing. So... Today, obviously, we're talking about the Sabbath day, and we are going to be getting into that more uh, in the future in our book study through uh, Mother Kirk by Doug Wilson that we do on Wednesdays. Um, But that's not for another two weeks, maybe week and a half. I don't know. Two weeks, whatever. Um, So this will kind of preempt that a little bit, and you get a little sneak peek into that. Plus, Jake just did a ton of research, so I'm super excited to hear what he has to say. And, um, and I've got some stuff to say as well, but Jake's doing most of the talking since I did most of the talking this week. I think now is, uh, Jake's like, let me at it. I got this. (laughs) So, but before we get to all that exciting stuff, we have uh, another exciting thing to talk about that we have to do first, which is our verse of the week. And, um, our verse this week is Jeremiah chapter eight, verse nine. And it says the wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Again, that's Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 9. And the call at the end of that verse, the question, rhetorical question, um, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? What wisdom could they possibly have if they're at the stage where they've rejected the word of of the Lord. And notice that a precondition for wisdom, and if we are using Bonson speak, a precondition for intelligibility <laughs> is the word of the Lord. You cannot have wisdom. You cannot have knowledge. You cannot account for morality so many things philosophically, logically, unless you have the word of the Lord. Um, 
And this is fundamentally important to our discussion of everything, really. We're talking about the kingdom, when we're talking about pastors, when we're talking about society at large, we're talking about civil government, education, how individuals should live, taking care of the poor, all areas of life begin with the word of the Lord. And as it says here in Jeremiah, if we reject the word of the Lord, what wisdom is in us? And the answer is none. So without further ado, let's get into our discussion topic for this week, the 10 commandments in real life commandment four. And um, Jake, do you want me to read through the first, do you want me to read through that commandment just to introduce it, kick it off and then pass it to you? All right, I'll I'll let you have that. I'll <laughs> okay, you have that. <laughs> for the for the like five seconds that I'll get to speak during yeah. this episode. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so this commandment is found in Exodus twenty verses eight through eleven, and it says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God." On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is in your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Again, Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. And with that stated, Jake, take it away. So I want to start out. Right, saying that a lot of my research came from this book. Um, and if you can see there, it is Celebrating the Sabbath by Bruce A. Ray. Uh, so just letting you know, I'm not going to directly quote it, but just know that's where my a lot of my research come from, cool. comes from. But also the other book, uh, The Ten Commandments by uh, Thomas Watson. I'm also using that. Uh, that I used last week, not last week, the week before that, when we discussed Commandment <laughs> 3. Um, but I want to start out by saying, uh, remember the Sabbath day, right? God starts out this command saying, remember, right? We need to make sure that even though we think this command can be easy to understand and easy to follow, we can't become complacent and forget about it Mm. um and to which i want to say we need to sanctify we need to be sanctifying the sabbath now how do we sanctify it well we sanctify it in two ways first we need to be resting from our work right this day is the day of rest right in six days we shall labor on the seventh we shall rest and this pa- the passage is quite clear. We are to do no work. Now, there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different things that can be said on the fact of uh, what is considered work, uh, what is not considered work, what are considered good activities we can be doing, what are bad activities we can be doing. I will not be going into depth in that. I do have something ooh, at the ooh, end that pick I me, do pick want me. Okay, go ahead. Go. <laughs> well, I didn't mean right now, but I mean, I oh, do have okay. some things on that topic that I'd like to discuss um, later and, and also discuss a passage um, from Paul where he's d- talking about how it's no longer pinned down to one specific day, how we're not to just, you know, respecting 
uh, Sabbaths, respecting special days, um, and how the new covenant in Christ actually modified this, like it modified many of the other Old Testament era laws, it doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us today. It means it applies in a different way, which is actually what Doug Wilson gets into in um, chapter five of, of his book we're going to be getting into later. Um, but then also Toby Sumter has a has a wonderful video on this. It's only like 20 minutes long, but it's on Canon Plus, and I kind of watched through that and pulled some things out of it for some of my research on this. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big part of it as well, is that um, <clears throat> we take Sunday because that's the day that Christ rose from the dead, and many of us will... Um, uh, celebrate and sanctify that day. But other people, uh, Toby Sumter brought up the point that like, well, okay, you have to do an, you're an emergency worker at, at a hospital and you can't take Sunday off, but you can take another day, then sanctify that day. You know, it, ju- it needs to be one day out of seven, but the day itself is not the most important part of it, which I thought was interesting. So sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but that was just <laughs> one thing. Go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's good that you went into that because I do not go into that in depth. Um again, like I said, I do have something at the end that I do want to just like something to think about. But right, we we sanctify the Sabbath in two ways. I just talked about number 1 that we need to be resting from our work. But number 2 is that we act in religious service to God because this is his day. Right? Um we need to be doing, we need to be going to church, right? We need Mm. to be going and making sure that we are honoring God, celebrating God in that day, on that day, on the Sabbath. We need to also understand another key part of this verse, which says to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, from our understanding of what holy means, it means to be set apart. The Sabbath day needs to be set apart from all the rest. During this day, we are to refrain refrain from mediocre life, from the basic days, from all the other days of our week, right? And that that, that really, it, it ties into rest, uh, taking our day from work, getting, getting away from work on that day. Mm. But reading from this other book, um, Celebrating the Sabbath by uh, Bruce A. Ray, right? He talks about three different things in which this verse brings up. And I think this is really interesting. But the first one is God's sovereign. God is sovereign over our time. Right? Six days, and he says in in Exodus, Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Hmm. God calls us to manage our time, right? So that all our work is complete by the time Sunday rolls around, <clears throat> right? This, and, and really it came to mind um, the quote that uh, Philip Kaiser uh, always says, and that is, there is not an area of our lives in which God doesn't scream mine, hmm. right? He's sovereign over our time. Right. He commands us what we shall be doing with our time. He, um, and then I'm moving on. Uh, God is sovereign and commands us in our work. Um, and on the other side of this command, God is saying we must work. Right. Six days we shall labor. Yes. Right? 
we focus on Sunday in this command, uh, and and we should rightly we should remember we were we are remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. But on the other side of this command is that we are to be working hmm. in the rest of the six days, right? Six days we are to labor. Yep. Right. <clears throat> Telling us the days we are not commanded to worship God, we are to be doing work. And again, there's another area. God commands us and tells us what he wants us to be doing, even when it comes to work. And the last and final point is that God is sovereign over our rest. Mm. Right? God has yeah. appointed um, this day for us to rest from all our work. Not to be a day in which we sit on the couch and eat popcorn or other snack foods. <laughs> But the day that, but a day to be celebrating God. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> wow. Were you gonna say something? No, I was just. I, those are really, really good points, and I think there's a lot of different perspectives to those um, as well. Yeah, and there's like, like you said at the beginning, there's a wide spectrum of beliefs um, and perspectives on this, um, and. And yeah, I think I think one of the most important things is that it's a day of celebration. You know, it's a day of rest from our work. It's a day of resting in the Lord, but it's also a day of resting with fellow believers, like uh, enjoying yourself with other people, with your family, with your children, with, you know, the people around you. It's not supposed to be a day full of laws and regulations and you can only do this. And, right, you know, right. that's completely antithetical to what this day is supposed to be. Um, so, you know, I, I do have a few passages that I'd like to read through um, whenever there's, you know, whenever there's a moment. I don't want to. Like, I would suggest doing it now because okay. um, if you were if you were talking <clears throat> about before. If that's what these verses are about, um, then it'll tie right into what I have to say next. Cool. So. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much right along those same lines. I mean, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, um, they say, Therefore, let, and I, this is Paul actually, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ, end quote. There are so many different things from the Old Testament now in the new covenant in Christ that are, that are changed, that are different. But we shouldn't assume that everything is different or everything is thrown out unless it's restated by Christ. That's a mistake that we make, or a lot of other Christians make in, in so many other areas that will be like, well, we have to throw out all the principles from the Old Testament un unless Christ restates them, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. Um, where do we see in Scripture that God's laws have been annulled? I would argue that nowhere we see his laws have been annulled. We see fulfillment of certain laws, again, certain laws, but we don't see annulment of laws. Because if you're going to say that all of those things are true, then you would be hard-pressed to not say that all of God's law has now been thrown out. The ceremonial law is specifically stated by Christ as having been fulfilled by his 
death and resurrection. And it's so clear looking back in history to see that those things all pointed towards Christ. In fact, what's even more fascinating is that when Christ came to earth, what he did, all of his acts of healing, excuse me, were fulfillments of each Levitical law, healing of a leper, healing of a blind person, healing of this, doing this, touching all the people and healing all the people that were supposed to be outcasts. He specifically fulfilled those laws, which was is fascinating to study some of those things. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> excuse me, Christ also speaks about the Sabbath in multiple passages in the New Testament that we can refer to. Uh, the first is Matthew 12 verses 1 through 21. Yes, it's a long passage, but it's really worth reading all the way through. So I'll, I'll just read through that. Um, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had not, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. It says elsewhere that he went into the synagogue and preached on the Sabbath. He taught on the Sabbath, um, which is interesting because some might consider that work, right? Hmm. Wonder what that means. So the same account of these people in the fields can also be found in Mark chapter two, only there Christ says in verse 27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so he's kind of restating this idea of the Sabbath not being this day full of laws, this day full of restrictions and don't do this, don't do this, you have to just do this, right? But it's different now in Christ. It's a celebration of what he did. It's a celebration of the renewing work that he's doing in creation. It's a time of rest. It's a time of enjoyment in God, right? This is totally different. Um, Matthew Henry on this topic said, In those six days, we have enough time to tire ourselves. On the seventh day, it will be a kindness to us to be obligated to rest. End quote. Matthew Henry goes on to remind us that as imitators of God, we should also imitate his resting on the seventh day from his works of creation. It's it's a resting period, right? Matthew 12, 10 through uh, 12. Yeah, 10 through 12 said... um, Matthew 12, 10 through 12 says, And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He asked, uh, he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. End quote. That is, this is, this is Christ getting across the fundamental point that, again, this is not supposed to just be a day of restrictions, a day of a list of things that you cannot do. You can't work. You can't do this. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't do this. All of these things, right? 
what he's showing here is that it's perfectly fine to do work, good works, to help other people, to lift your sheep out of, you know, works of necessity, lifting a sheep out of a pit after it falls in, right? But what these people are looking for are specific things that they have to follow. And they're adding to the law of God, right? They're adding to his law, which is, which is the issue here. And they're missing the, the whole point of this is that it's a spiritual rest. Um, so I thought some of those were important and tying in as well, Colossians, that passage I brought up earlier, Colossians 2, 16 through 17, and, and really verse 17, when he had just said that, don't let anyone pass judgment on you, you know, in question of a, a Sabbath or a festival or something. And then 17, he says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He is the fulfillment of this. Like, he is what they pointed towards. The Sabbath pointed towards Christ. This day of rest, this day of resurrection now, as we celebrate the day of resurrection. So it's not meant to be this stingy day that we don't look forward to, that we're like, oh no, Sunday, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't you know, go outside, I have to just spend the whole day sitting on the couch trying to stay awake while reading God's word, but not enjoying it, not actually applying it to my life because this is an obligation. It's just something I have to do. And you're missing the point entirely. And again, Christ said in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Um, and, and earlier, actually in, in Matthew, that passage I brought up, Matthew 12, 1 through 21, he said, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you if you had known what this, what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not, you would not have condemned the guiltless. I just think that that phrase is so interesting. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not saying, you know, torture yourselves with this day. This is meant to be a day of celebration, uh, a day of mercy from God, day of rest. That was a lot, but did that kind of set you up for your next discussion topic. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say, I think this episode is going to go a little bit, not later, but it's going to end earlier, because I don't have much. Okay. Left. <laughs> but um, unless Bruce and I can, you know, fill it up with a bunch of, you know, talking, but, which I think we can. <laughs> Commentary, but, uh, really. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think the thing with this is, there's so, there, there, there are so many facets here. I think both of us pulled back because we were afraid we'd be saying too much here and filling yeah. up too much time because there's so much that can be said. Yeah. But, you know, what one thing is is exploring some of these facets because the, the history, you, you really have to, and this goes back to what Doug Wilson has been saying since chapter one of his book we've been going through on Wednesdays, which, by the way, if you've been missing our Wednesday episodes, go back and check those out. Uh, but we've been going through Mother Kirk, Essays on, ch on Church uh, Life. And, and one of the fundamental points that he addressed in the first chapter, really spent the whole first chapter talking about, was that we need to go back to the ancient church. Um, the Reformation was not a, a new thing, was not like coming up with new doctrines. It's like, oh, we just discovered new things in the word of God. Let's institute these things. It was, we need to restore what was lost. We need to get back to what was lost that they already had, and we've just forgotten. Previous generations before us have lost these things because we didn't have an appreciation. We weren't taught to have an appreciation for history. 
So there have been people throughout church history called Sabbatarians, um, and they're the bad guys. <laughs> From everybody, anybody who mentions like Sabbatarian is like, oh no, cringe, right? Puritans, oh no, or not Puritans. What's the other group of people that were more stingy about uh, that? We we think Puritans were stingy, but it's actually a misnomer. They weren't what we think yeah. they were. Who was it? The group of people that were actually super duper. I don't know if it was the Huguenots. Here I am calling for a return to ancient history. And I'm forgetting this right now at the the moment. (laughs) So that's great. Um, But anyways, that's kind of where the Sabbatarian movement came out of. And honestly, that whole movement was another set of Pharisees. It was people adding to the law of God, not understanding how Christ transformed the Sabbath in the New Testament and saying that you need, you can't go, you can't use electricity because someone is working to create that electricity and you can't cause people to work. Meanwhile, you've got this, if your sheep falls into a a ditch, who here is not going to lift it out, right? (laughs) We need electricity. Let's face it, current modern day, we need electricity kind of to run the world, right? Mm -hmm. It would be like saying, well, no paramedics are allowed to work on the Sabbath. Can you imagine? Like, that's working and you can't do that. People are going to die, sure, but you can't work on the Sabbath. You know, like, what? Hospitals need electricity to run today to save lives. You're going to say that we're not allowed to to run those things. Okay, wow. Um, Or, I I mean, a previous pastor at a previous church we were going to was talking about um, there's people who will not use shoes, will not wear shoes. That were created by specific companies because those companies made those shoes on Sunday. Like that's how granular they would get. You're adding to God's law and you're not understanding how the New Testament, how Christ's death changed this, right? And and really what Christ is saying here, he's acting as if this is something the Pharisees should already know. What he's saying here is that who isn't going to lift your sheep out of a pit? Who isn't going to do works of necessity that that Matthew 12 10 through 12 a man was there with a withered hand they asked him is it lawful to heal on the sabbath so that they might accuse him they were trying to trap him and ensnare him because they knew he'd say yes so they were going to be like ha ha gotcha you know he said which one of you has a sheep and is not you know falls into a pit who's who's not going to lift it out how much more valuable is a man than a sheep it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And we need to understand these things and not be so strict and, and stingy about this, um, about yeah. that that whole perspective to, to that day. And and on that same same vein, I mean, uh, talking about what are good uh, activities, right? Uh, I think some things to consider when trying to find out what makes a good activity to do on the Sabbath we should consider um, these five questions, right? And these are these are taken out from the book. Um, I'm not going to give an exact page number because at the moment I am drawing a blank as to which page <laughs> number I got it from. But no just worries. keep in mind, they came <clears throat> from the book. Um, and when I say the book, I do not be, mean the Bible. I mean this book. Okay. Um, <laughs> the other book. To, Another yeah, book. The other book. <laughs> um, but first is will it in fact refresh me or will I be worn out, right? Will it be a refreshing thing? Will it be a resting thing or will it wear you out? Mm. Number two is, 
is a competitive is a competitive spirit, as in league sports compatible with the purpose of refreshment and of the Sabbath. What if I lose? You know, is is basically is playing games like baseball and stuff like that mm. a competitive sport. Now I don't necessarily know if he would, if the author would apply this to, like, you just playing a friendly game of uh, baseball. Like, yeah. just hitting the ball around. Or- well, and I mean, it's it's a different, <clears throat> it kind of depends on your personality type, too. Like, some people, like yourself, for instance, can get very competitive. And, like, you play sports and you play to win. And then you've got people like me who I'm just like, I don't care whether we win or not. I'm just here to have some fun. I'm just playing because I enjoy the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's like, well, you're competitive, but you're not going to let that wear you out. Like, it's not going to ruin your whole day if you lose. You're just like, ah, darn it. All right, let's do it again. We're going to do better, you know. <laughs> um, and And that can be refreshing in, in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, moving on to number three, uh, will a planned recreational activity interfere with my previous commitment to corporate worship and fellowship? If I do this, will it cause me to miss or be late to the service of my church? Mm. Um, yeah. So is it going to interfere with uh, your will it interfere with you going to church? Right. And being a part of the worship service. And that's something that always Bruce and I were in Boy Scouts and, you know, there would be campouts in the, um, on Sundays that we just wouldn't be, wouldn't go yeah. to. Yeah. Or we'd leave and, early so that we can get to church on time. Yeah. Or, or yeah. And then also, um, uh, like sports games, there were typical, typically sports games on Sundays. And yeah. at that time... We were just like, sorry, we, we can't make it. Because yeah. We're well, church. and, you know, that brings up a really interesting facet. And it's unfortunate that we just got to this point and we're like at time. But one really interesting facet of this conversation that I don't think we really touched on is um, elsewhere in scripture. You know, God gives the people their laws, their uh, his perfect justice, examples of that. Um and he gives it to them so that they'll be different than the nations around them. So that the nations around will then look at Israel and say, wow, what God do you worship? We want to worship that same God. In the same way, we're supposed to be holy, which means set apart. Ecclesia, which means the called out ones, is essentially where we get the word ecclesiastical, which refers to the church, right? So we're holy, we're separate, we're different, we're called out, we're salt and light. So we're preserving, but we're also shining, we're different, right? So all of these things throughout all of scripture talking about how we're different from the world. And when the world does not set a day apart to worship God, obviously, or even to rest, I know so many people who work every single day of the week and it wears them out because they were created to be like their creator who rested at the end of creation, right? Um, And so when we see all of that, a huge part of us doing what you were just describing, Jake, is us being set apart. We're different. We stand out. And that's not a bad thing in this way is that we are different and people ask, well, why, why aren't you playing sports today? 
well, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, it's a perfect opportunity then to talk to them about why you live your life so differently. So, well, yeah, I think it's, I think it's hard when there are the people who have a perceived um, faith that say that when you say, oh, I have a religious exemption or I have a religious conviction to not uh, do those things on Sunday, to which they would say, oh, yeah, I understand. I, 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 I have faith as well. <clears throat> and then they continue to do this stuff on Sunday. They, they don't understand what it means and i and that comes from an era right because we've been talking about ever ever since the start of the show that america had its groundwork in christianity right Mm. and so our culture now and even even as small as it is there are still those people that have this understanding and they have no clue why no one else has a clue why and for us it's like why do you think this but they have this understanding that having a having a religion having a faith is a good thing it's a good thing have have that and and you know if you push them on it they're like oh i don't know i don't know why i do that yeah and and really it be, it comes from our our christian culture which we had but and I think the thing is, is that, you know, for those people that think they have a perceived faith, that this, this is the problem. This is a problem, right? Yep. They think Sundays, and and I'm not, I'm not just saying this because I think there's a small minute uh, minority of people like this. No, I think this is the majority of people who are like this. I have met multiple people who say. Oh, they go to church. They're they're Christians and stuff. Then I ask, "Oh, what church do they go to on Sundays?" And they'll saying, "Oh, I don't go to church on Sundays. I I um I I ha- I'm too busy on Sundays." But they don't go to a church at all. You know, Oof, any other day to make up right, for it. Exactly. Wow. So yeah, all of that to continue on. I have two last points. Um, oh wow. Oh, we are actually will, just about out of time. So if you can do it in in a minute or less, that would be awesome. <laughs> I will quickly go through I, them. I talk with, too much. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I will quickly go through them with little um, description. Hopefully you guys can understand what they mean. But number four is, is my will subordinated to the will of God? Or am I doing my own thing and thus doing as I please on God's holy day is what pleases me what pleases god again another question take into account with your activity is it pleasing god and lastly number five is can i do what i am thinking of doing to the glory of god and this one i think pertains to every single day though this this question should pertain to every single activity would every single activity we're doing every single thing that we do working anything we should be asking this question is what i'm doing am i doing it to the glory of god yep so exactly nice man good job nice wrap up perfect (laughs) sweet well jake thanks so much for um 
uh, reading through some of those things and, and putting those lists together, that was that was really helpful to discuss. Really good additional commentary. Um, and yeah, we'll have some we'll have some things in the description. I know I'll share that uh, video from Canon Plus. If I can find it on YouTube, I'll probably put it in the link below. Um, and if you have any other resources too, Jake, you'd like to share, we can put those down in the description as well. So check those out. Um, for those of you listening or watching us, don't forget, like this video so that we know you enjoyed it or you agree with the content or if you disagree, hey, leave a comment. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Leave a comment. Go to our website, trdshow.net. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and uh, leave us some feedback. You know, we'd really like to hear from our audience. If you are a podcast listener, five stars would be so appreciated. Anything less than that, hey, don't do it. No, we're kidding. Obviously, rate us however you'd like, but we'd appreciate five stars. That would be so, so nice. Um, don't forget, conference, Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. You can see us in person and a whole bunch of us of also a whole bunch of other great speakers. And um, have a great weekend, everybody. everybody and we will see you on our Monday episode. And don't forget, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.